Welcome to We Are What We Buy with Dr. Michael Solomon. We'll take a deep dive to look at the patterns, habits, brands, and benefits that drive your customers to buy. The tips and concepts you'll hear on the program will have you standing head and shoulders above your competition. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Solomon. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Michael Solomon, and this is We Are What We Buy. On this week's program, we're going to dive into a topic that I think many of you will find interesting, and that is the topic of luxury. So all of us love to at least read about or watch luxury products. Some of us love to buy luxury products. Others of us wish we could buy luxury products. This week, I have three experts who are going to give us their perspective on luxury, what it means, how to buy it, how to sell it, and so on. So I want to start with uh, my first guest, who is, I think, one of the global authorities on the topic of luxury. Her name is Pam Danziger, and uh, she specializes on the world's most influential consumers, what she calls the American affluent. And that includes the so-called Henry's, the high earners, not rich yet, mass affluent. Pam founded Unity Marketing in 1992, and she provides research to brands to give them insights into the minds of their most profitable customers. She's also a principal with Retail Rescue and American Marketing Group. She's a prolific writer and blogger. She's written 10 books, including Meet the Henrys, Millennials That Matter Most to Luxury Brands, and her latest book, Luxury Marketing Disrupted. Hello, Pam. Welcome to the show. It's nice to be with you, Michael. Thanks so much. And um, let's let's start off, if, if you want, uh, to give us a very, very brief commercial about how you spend your day. What, what do you do in the luxury space other than maybe looking at or buying luxury brands? Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I don't have time to buy them. I, uh, I do spend most of my time researching the American affluent. That's where I keep my focus. And, and with... I, I have my, my feet in like two different worlds. I do a lot of work in retail and looking and studying retailers and what's going on at retail. And then the other part of my, my day is focused on the affluent because they're the ones with the most money and they're the ones that retailers need to draw into their stores. And I define the affluence as people at the top, basically the top 70, top 25% of U.S. households doing better than 75% of the rest of them. That starts at about $100,000 in today's market. And you know, when people in LA or New York hear $100,000 is affluent, they, they, they uh, look at me quizzically, but they are doing much better. And the country is a very diverse and large country. So, um, you know, I, I rely on income statistics, and that's what the income statistics tell me. And within that affluent category, there's the Henry's, the high earners, not rich yet, basically making from 100,000 to 250,000, about 34 million of them, and then the 250,000 and above, the ultra affluence, there's about 4.6 million of them. So the Henry's are really where the bulk of the, the marketplace is for luxury and premium kinds of products and all discretionary products. So really, the, the Henry's are the aspirational luxury customers. They're, they, they're on that trajectory, but perhaps not quite there yet. Yeah, except I really, I really don't like to use the word aspirational because that implies that they aspire to whatever it is that people define as, as a luxury lifestyle. And they may, and, and in fact, I see many millennial Henry's very satisfied with where they are in their lifestyle because they don't need to work 80 hours. And, you know, we can all earn more money, um, but we have to give up our lifestyle and our living and our time to attain that. And a lot of millennials are opting instead to have a quote unquote comfortable lifestyle, but that's a far cry from a luxury or a rich and wealthy lifestyle. 
You, you hit on a very basic issue here. Maybe we should uh, focus on this first. The word luxury has a lot of different connotations and means different things to different people. So from your perspective, what, what is luxury? I mean, really, luxury today is, is about time. It's, it's what you do with your time and how you spend your time. And, you know, I look at and I, you know, I meet lots of business people. And, you know, I, I guess in a way, I, I'm guilty of this too. I mean, my business, I, I get a lot of personal joy and rewards from it. Not necessarily monetarily, but I get a lot of, I enjoy business. And I think we see a lot of people who are in business that make a lot of money, but it's not the money that they're chasing. It's the, it's the, it's the fun of the business. And luxury is very much a personal construct, personally defined. And I think that's where so many luxury brands trip up because they don't spend the time to really understand the luxury perspective of their consumers and their customers. Yeah, so this is a major, uh, I, I think, turning point um, in, in our culture, you know, that time is, is luxury, experiences are luxury. And Unfortunately, unless you maybe unless you make um, luxury watches, which I know are starting to come come back in, into vogue, you you can't. It's difficult to sell time when what you make is a let's say a leather handbag or something like that. So this this shift in what defines luxury from goods to services, if you will, <clears throat> I, I assume is something that the industry is thinking about. And I know. Every year, you you actually conduct a survey among industry insiders um, to get a sense of what's on their minds. Are the, is this an issue for them? Are they grappling with this notion that younger people are defining luxury differently, and that may not encompass what they're currently selling? Um, well, I, w I would say that it's certainly on their radar. I mean, what we just completed a survey of nearly 900 luxury insiders. Those are, com those are people who work at luxury goods companies for luxury services companies such as hospitality and travel and, and uh, home services, as well as people who provide services to these luxury brands like advertising agencies and consultants and so on. And the number one thing that popped this year in terms of their concerns for the industry are the changing ways luxury consumers shop. And if we think about that, I mean, shopping, it takes time. Um, it, it requires effort. You know, it's not just about, you know, spending money and having money in your pocket, but it also in, involves the time that you spend, you know, deciding what you want or if you want something and going somewhere to get it or, you know, spending time on your cell phone to order it. And I think that's really where, that's the, the, the key problem issue for luxury brands right now are luxury insiders that they see is these changing ways people shop. And it's not just omni-channel issues. You know, it's also the, the evolution of the secondary luxury marketplace that has evolved. I see it in terms of outlet shop. I mean, why go to a Michael Kors boutique when you can go to the outlet store and get basically the same thing or pretty close to it? for a whole lot less money and people not spending time in the malls or department stores. I mean, the, the whole way we spend our time is changing and that's changing how we spend our money. So, but you know, in, in a sense, if you're a true connoisseur of luxury and I guess many people are not, they're really just using it as a status kind of display. Yeah. But, but if you're a true connoisseur, isn't, isn't that part of the experience, you know, going and, and examining all the different options very carefully, learning about their heritage and, and so on? Is that the experience that luxury retailers should be providing or does, does everybody just want to be able to phone it in? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I think I think what you're you're talking about is the difference between connoisseurs versus just consumers. And, you know, consumers are wanting to phone in connoisseurs are much more discerning, are much more critical, are really looking for value. Um, and some of it comes from heritage, but a lot of it comes from the workmanship and, and the, the quality of the items. Um, and 
those connoisseurs gain a lot of, of pleasure in the research experience. I mean, think, think of the wine connoisseur. <laughs> when you decide that you want, you know, you want to invest in this case of, of wine, I mean, you're going through, you're, you're tasting a lot of other different wines and experiencing those. So I think, you know, and the, the connoisseur market is much smaller and much, much narrower than the consumer market. But I, you know, one of the things I'm always amazed by when I talk to particularly millennial young people, you know, with families, marriages, two jobs, you know, or, you know, really are working hard at, at, at their life. They don't have a lot of spare time, yet they spend a tremendous amount of time researching the purchases they're going to make, which I find always fascinating to me. Yeah, that's one of the big disruptions we're seeing in general is that, uh, Ironically, they're do, they're putting a lot more work in uh, up front, yeah. with, you know, and getting reading reviews and so on. Exactly, and that's uh, work. <laughs> that it it's work, but it's work. also a part. It's a reward. I mean, and that's one of the things about you know happiness research. You know, the, 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 and and this is this is just psychological. People enjoy their vacation more before they go on vacation in anticipation of what they're going to experience. So they do studies and find out the happiness levels for people planning a trip is, is greatest before the trip, not after the trip. And I think the same things kind of apply in terms of, of purchases of luxury goods. There's that anticipation that comes before you, you know, you know, before you, you actually take that item home or, or get it delivered to you, that there's, there's where the, the joy and pleasure comes from. That's why I kind of, you know, I look at it, you know, this sort of instant um, gratification society, and it really isn't, instant gratification isn't all that luxurious because people really enjoy the anticipation more than the, the actual experience of having and owning. So in that case, you know, what, what's the future of, of luxury marketing and retailing? Is it just going to be putting everything on in Instagram and <laughs> looking for that instant hit? Or you know, what, what advice would you give to somebody who, who truly does want to create or sell luxury? Well, you know, I, I think it's really, I mean, the first and foremost thing is to really understand your consumer and really understand who you are trying to to sell to and appeal to and what are the hot buttons for them. I mean, I there is no easy answer. That's the, you know, we we can't all follow the same playbook. Um, we all have to find sort of a, a, our own road to reaching the consumer. But I, you know, I see a lot of opportunity for brands that, you know, actually kind of like turn back the clock and go back to the way luxury started in the early part of the 20th century, which was with ateliers and that personal bespoke experience and really customizing, developing the products for specific customers in, in to made to measure, made made to order. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, luxury goods, if we look at the luxury goods market today, it's become, it's really, it's nothing more than an expensive mass market, actually. It's, it's you know, they're, they're producing thousands and thousands and thousands of these items and charging so much more for them than, than comparable, you know, equally comparable products that you can find just about anywhere. I mean, I think that's, that's one of the, uh, the problems with luxury, they've just kind of lost touch with what true wealthy consumers, true people who really have a lot of money. And these wouldn't be the Henry's. These would be the, the true wealthy people, really what they want. Yeah, so old money versus new money, they're very different. Um, as, as we reach the end here, I, uh, speaking of money, you've graciously agreed to uh, make a gift available to the listeners. You want to tell them how they can get that? Yes, well, they, the, um, there's a link uh, that I provided to you um, for a little mini book. It's called Luxury Marketing Disruptive, the Evolution from the Four P's to the 
four E's of marketing, because I think one of the things that, that in 2013, the American Marketing Association changed the definition of marketing, which was all about the four P's, which was back in the Madman era, the product, price, promotion, and placement. And today we are in an experiential economy with consumers focused on value. And that's what the four E's is all about, where experience now replaces product. And um, every place is the new place. And exchange is the new way we have to think about about price and evangelism is what we really need to understand in terms of the promotion of our of our brands and our products. So um, I invite people to it's a it's a, a seventy pages, but it's it's in big print with lots of white space, so people can get through it pretty quickly. All right, sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. We appreciate your insights. Thank you, Michael. You're listening to We Are What We Buy with Dr. Michael Solomon. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk to a cultural anthropologist who specializes in the study of luxury. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at at Mike Solo or go to my website www.michaelsolomon.com and check it out. See you after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Book international speaker and renowned author Dr. Michael Solomon for your event today. Michael's presentations reveal cutting-edge trends in advertising and marketing, branding, consumer behavior, and social media. He captivates audiences with the insights he unveils during his interactive keynotes and seminars. Michael has spoken to Fortune 500 companies, top advertising agencies, associations, and branches of government on five continents and has received rave reviews. Book Michael today at michaelsolomon.com. Marketers, Tear Down These Walls, Liberating the Postmodern Consumer by Dr. Michael Solomon is a revolutionary book that explores the psychology of the consumer in today's changing times. The book is packed with information and tools you need to create winning marketing strategies for a complex marketplace. Michael encourages readers to move out of the box, to think like contemporary consumers, and do things differently. This is a reader's favorite. Order today at Amazon.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to We Are What We Buy. To reach Dr. Michael Solomon or his guest on today's program, please send an email to michael at michaelsolomon.com. Now back to We Are What We Buy. Hello and welcome back to We Are What We Buy with Dr. Michael Solomon. And we are talking today about the fascinating concept of luxury, what it means to people, how people value it, and perhaps most importantly, how it's changing today. So our next guest has some great insights about that, and she is joining us uh, over across the pond in, in London. And so I'm very happy to introduce Martina Olbertova. Uh, she's a brand meaning expert, strategist, semiotician, and social scientist now based in London. And Martina is the founder and CEO of Meaning Global, a strategic intelligence consultancy that helps brands to adapt to the quickly changing cultural context of our increasingly complex world today. She's worked on strategy and insight for a lot of big brands such as Kantar, Unilever, Heineken, Vodafone, and Visa. And she is a frequent speaker and contributor to various media outlets such as Branding Strategy Insider, Forbes, and Luxury Daily. And Martina is the author of the Luxury Report 2019 on Redefining the Future Meaning of Luxury. 
and she's currently working on a new book on the future of luxury in the age of personal identity that will come out in 2020. That's a lot to say about an expert on luxury. Martina, thanks for coming on. <laughs> Hi, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me to come on the show. Yes, it's really nice to be here. <laughs> it's it's my pleasure, and um, and I know that you you have the fun task of uh, leading a consulting firm that largely focuses on luxury. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? What what uh, motivated you to to start up an operation like that? Sure. Okay, so it's not specifically only on luxury, uh, but I am really fascinated by luxury and the luxury space, particularly because of its superior symbolic value. So I actually have a consultancy, Meaning Global, that I founded about two years ago uh, in 2017, after I was sort of looking across the market and witnessing this large-scale ongoing crisis of meaning, literally everywhere that I looked, um, in, in marketing, in advertising, in consulting, in PR, uh, product development, customer experience, there seems to be this gap between what we intend to communicate on one hand and what brands want to impart in their strategy, and then on the other hand, what actually comes out in the, in the actual customer experience or in the ads that we see around us in the campaigns and the meaning that we get to consume. And I thought that I would help uh, brands and organizations to sort of bridge this gap in between between brands and branding and their communication on one hand and the culture and society on the other to sort of merge the, the value disconnect and make them more, more um, whole, more meaningful, compact and consistent. And uh, so that's Meaning Global. And this, this sort of fascination with luxury is really, it's, it's almost as if, Luxury because it has the the largest distance from the functional value on, on one hand and the symbolic value on the other, which really makes up for um, for the luxuriousness in the product that we that we that we feel that we see uh, and that we identify with. I sort of thought that it uh, it creates a brilliant argument for the value of meaning in the market. So that's why I uh, dove deeper into what luxury means, how is it changing, and what luxury, especially big um, luxury brands and big luxury houses around the world can do in order to make themselves more relevant in the quickly changing culture um, and the world today. So you, you said something intriguing. You referred to a crisis of meaning. I'm not sure our listeners are aware that there's a crisis going on in, in, in luxury or in marketing in general. I assume you're, you're referring to a disconnect between what companies want to sell and what customers want to buy. Is that, is that what you mean by a crisis? I think that would be one way to look at it uh, in the most sort of simplest sense. There is also this gap between what brands and organizations say or the sort of image and the purpose that they want to create in the world on one hand and then the actual behavior the corporate behavior and the actions in the world there there seems to be another disconnect um as well but also on on the most sort of fundamental level and i think that this is what um is affecting luxury brands the most um is that the the, the cultural reality um in the world around us is changing so rapidly and especially with the rise of uh, the social media and the digital modes of communication and the, the, the reactions of people being almost instant, uh, it fundamentally uh, sort of shifted and completely redesigned the, the fabric, the social fabric um, of the culture that we live in. And if you, if you have a, like a fundamentally different cultural reality in the world outside, and you are unable to mirror that really effectively and sort of be up to speed with what is happening around you, um, there is this disconnect of value and relevance. Um, and that is, I think, what is fundamentally creating this crisis of meaning. Um, because as the, as the sort of um, society and culture 
is evolving much faster than organizations and brands can sort of catch up with. Um, they are they are losing um, resonance with with people, with their customers, um, and also the heritage and sort of legacy value seems to be not quite enough to to catch people's um, interest. Uh, those dimensions of heritage, uh, you know, and, and history and value and so on. Of course, that's part and parcel of the luxury market. Uh, at least historically, that's what people associated with luxury. So what what's going on in, in luxury today is, uh, you know, around the world, are people redefining what luxury means as we confront this crisis of meaning, as you refer to it? Hmm. I think that it, it doesn't really work in a literal sense that people would, I, um, that people would redefine luxury as a concept, um, and therefore, luxury brands would need to sort of redefine their position. It, it's kind of like happening more organically, with where where the value, the needs and desires are shifting naturally as we are moving towards a completely um, new way of being almost. So when you look at it from this perspective, luxury and value is always connected and has always been connected to scarcity. Now, 100 years ago and throughout the history, what was really scarce was rarity, excess, opulence, because very few people had the means and access to sort of indulge themselves in an excess of things, right? Whereas the majority of the society was living within their means and had very little. So the luxuriousness was really connected to this idea of excess opulence and rarity. Now, fast forward 100 years forward, and we are now absolutely drowning in the excess of everything. We, we have too much, too many products, too many services. There's, there's complete oversaturation and overabundance of material goods. We have overabundance of data, right? Now talking about big data, we have so much data, more data that we know what to do with, but we don't necessarily know how to mine the, the information out of the data that would give us some kind of meaning and, and um, inform our future decisions. So we are, are, we are completely oversaturated, overstimulated, and therefore what is really scarce today is the complete opposite of what was scarce um, 100 years ago. So what we now need is less. We need um, to reconnect back with ourselves, with our own inner essence, our human potential. That's why authenticity is so big. It's not just a buzzword. It's not a trend, really. It's just reconnecting with, with the fundamental essence of ourselves to reprioritize and re like shift our perspective um, on what is really important and meaningful to us and to our lives. That's why experiences um, are now are now uh, rising within the industry. That's the biggest um, and most rapidly uh, growing market, uh, far more than personal luxury, which is actually on decline. Uh, we are seeking trans transformative experiences, things that make us feel alive, that makes us you know, sense and feel and, and come alive through things that we can actually experience emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, so you, you use the word authenticity and, and uh, you know, that, that certainly is, I think, the key, especially for, for younger people today. We have this, we're, we're seeing a lot of younger people, uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of people in the in fashion industry, uh, mm -hmm. largely rejecting the, the notion that fashion is attractive or worth pursuing, uh, they are interested in authentic experiences, as, as you say. So what is the luxury industry going to do then, the traditional luxury industry, in terms of redefining itself in this new age where, mm -hmm. as you point out, you know, we have many of us, not all of us certainly, have more than what we know what to do with, and the question is how do we pare it down? So how does yeah. a luxury manufacturer rise to that challenge? Sure. 
I think um, I think it will need to be a combination of two uh, of two factors, um, and it starts with authenticity. But the beauty of authenticity is that there is no one way to be authentic, right? Authenticity essentially means being true to yourself, being true to who you are. So for a brand, in order to be authentic, it cannot just try to mimic everything that's happening in culture and just go full on, you know, cultural relevance and just, you know, um, start collaborating with really cool designers and uh, do all these different creative collaborations with other brands. Because if you just do that, if you just go um, celebrating the form of luxury without any essence in it, you become hollow again. So the first thing that any luxury brand needs to do is to embrace and encapsulate its inner essence, come back to the brand itself and rescue the, the essence you know, so it's it's not going to be that much about heritage. You cannot just talk about, it's a part of the essence, but it's just talking about having, you know, 100 or 150 years of heritage isn't really interesting enough on its own to the, um, to the new consumer audiences today. Coming back to inner essence is the first thing. And then realizing how can the brand um, empower the essence and individual identity of its consumers through the branding, through the products, through the experiences. So essentially, what ha was happening with the with the uh, with the uh, authenticity is that it's sort of shifting um, the dynamics of the market. It used to be that um, you have great brands and consumers sort of look up to those brands in aspiration to own them and sort of emulate um, those social and cultural values in order to become more, right? Like more worthy, um, accelerate your social status or get a better image. Now it's shifting the complete, completely the, the other way around. So brands need to look to people and needs to... Um, figure out how to um, express those authentic values that people aspire to in a way that is also interesting and culturally relevant for the brand. So is, uh, is there an example, either, either a client of yours or not, uh, mm -hmm. of a brand that has successfully pivoted to, to capture this new, this new meaning? Yeah, so I... I I think that the most interesting example of this new um, movement towards authenticity in, in, in fashion and luxury would be LVMH and uh, Bernard Arnault um, giving a really interesting opportunity to, uh, to Rihanna to found her own uh, brand Fenty within the LVMH portfolio. The brand was conceived in 2019, and um, it was inspired by a worldwide community beyond the traditional boundaries and embracing the, the universal codes of such as fluidity and versatility and also the fundamental freedom from convention and the rules. And um, Rihanna actually embodies all of these values in a way that seems very... Um, natural and and authentic and that's what gives the brand um it's it's larger credibility uh martina we're we're out of time but uh it's been an authentic pleasure to talk to you thanks so much for coming on the show okay thank you michael when we come back we'll talk to a retailer who's in the trenches of selling luxury drop me a line at michael at michaelsolomon.com tell me what you think about the show Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Book international speaker and renowned author Dr. Michael Solomon for your event today. Michael's presentations reveal cutting-edge trends in advertising and marketing, branding, consumer behavior, and social media. 
He captivates audiences with the insights he unveils during his interactive keynotes and seminars. Michael has spoken to Fortune 500 companies, top advertising agencies, associations, and branches of government on five continents and has received rave reviews. Book Michael today at michaelsolomon.com. Marketers, Tear Down These Walls, Liberating the Postmodern Consumer by Dr. Michael Solomon is a revolutionary book that explores the psychology of the consumer in today's changing times. The book is packed with information and tools you need to create winning marketing strategies for a complex marketplace. Michael encourages readers to move out of the box, to think like contemporary consumers, and do things differently. This is a reader's favorite. Order today at Amazon.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to We Are What We Buy. To reach Dr. Michael Solomon or his guest on today's program, please send an email to michael at michaelsolomon.com. Now back to We Are What We Buy. Welcome back, everybody, to We Are What We Buy. I'm Dr. Michael Solomon, and this week we're talking about a very interesting subject that a lot of people uh, are fascinated by, and that is luxury. What do we mean by luxury? How do people attain luxury? And how do businesses sell luxury? So in this segment, uh, I've got a guest who is in the trenches. He he uh, deals with luxury every single day, and uh, he's going to share some insights with us. So his name is Greg Walsh, and Greg is the founder and president of the interior design studio of Martin Patrick III in Minneapolis. And he also directs design and buying for the retail operations of Martin Patrick III, which is an internationally recognized men's apparel and home furnishings boutique located in the North Loop of Minneapolis. And I love this description. Fast Company wrote about the store and said, Martin Patrick III looks like what would have happened if Willy Wonka had gone to Parsons School of Design. Greg, welcome to the show, and uh, what, a, what a great description of your business. Thank, thank you, Michael. Yes, uh, most of what you know, I've focused on and what we focus on as a business um, sort of holistically is, you know, it's lifestyle and design. And so, you know, that's kind of permeated every aspect of, of what we touch from, you know, both our interiors and, um, and our, our retail operations and the products we sell. Uh, so you're obviously you're, you're, you're reaching a lot of different verticals here. You're doing, you're doing home furnishings, I assume you're selling menswear, uh, all of these things are, I guess, wrapped together in one package for your customers. Is that how it works? Yes. We, um, so the company was founded on interior design, so that was kind of our core root that started the whole thing. And then we added um, home, which is the uh, furnishings, uh, art, accessories, all of that, and then started in the men's apparel. Um, so it is, it's become lifestyle in that, luxury travels from a sectional uh, cocktail table to outerwear to bespoke suits to socks and so we categorically kind of cover it all you know one thing that strikes me is that uh, I guess you're going against the stereotype a little bit because you're combining interior design with menswear rather than women's wear and yet we often assume that women are the ones who are more interested in, ter- in interior design. I know that's a stereotype, but is that is that deliberate on your end? Um, you know, it's, I always kind of joke that we never really had a business plan as to where we are today. Um, I think part of it became um, two things. 
that the men's became an extension of interior design from, you know, probably honestly some personal interest. And then secondly, there was sort of a, a rapid downturn in the retail market in Minneapolis when we lost some of our um, upper end, um, like Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, Bloomingdale's. And we had just started to open the door on men's accessories and it kind of just um, rolled from there. Um, you know, and it's, it's interesting because probably 40% of our client base, and this isn't just on the interior side, but the men's side are women. I mean, women are very influential on um, what the men in their life are wearing. <laughs> so um, even though there is a, a definite definitely a male point of view to the whole thing. There's still very influenced by the women consumers. Yeah. I think anybody who's married can attest to that for sure. Uh, so yeah, so let's, let's dive into this, into this whole idea of luxury. You know, it's a, it's a word we all use, but I, I think, I think many people have different meanings in their minds when they, when they think of the term luxury. So, from your perspective, you know, someone who who uh, who buys and sells luxury and creates luxury, uh, what what does it mean to you? What when you think of luxury, how would you explain that to someone else? Um, for me, luxury isn't necessarily a brand. I know a lot of people associate the high um, high level high couture labels with luxury. For me, and, and probably sort of the philosophy of our company, both on the interiors and the apparel side, it's really about um, quality, um, exclusivity of, of goods, construction, uniqueness. I think some of the big brand labels are so easily accessible that although the, the label will Will, will reek of a, a luxury purchase. Um, a lot of our clients um, like the more understated, knowing that what they have is, is truly um, special, often handmade, whether it's in the furnishing sides or the apparel side, sort of specifically uh, for them. So, so if I understand you correctly, uh, there's kind of a paradox here in that you know, I, I've always felt if you if you have to say that you're a luxury brand, you're probably not. You, you have a lot of brands that are competing to to own this luxury space. And what I hear you saying is maybe the harder you try, the less successful you'll be. And it's and it's the more unique, uh, you know, smaller brands perhaps that that are really the rightful uh, heirs to the to the mantle of, of luxury. Does that is that fair to say? I mean, you're exactly right on what I was saying, that um, it is it is the, the quieter brands that I think our, our customers deem more luxurious. Um, I think the, the bigger brands, the more they flood the market, the more accessible they are. Um, take away the, the specialness of it. Um, you know, when you can basically travel the world and, and find certain brands on every corner that at one point were, were much more exclusive. Um, it sort of dilutes their, their specialness. Yeah. So it, it kind of reminds me of, and I'm dating myself here, but uh, the designer jeans craze, you know, where suddenly we have designer jeans for the masses. And by definition, if it's a designer product, it's not supposed to be a mass market product. So, um, are are these brands poisoning the well for themselves? Do you think are they are they going to lose their cachet because they're trying too hard? Yeah, I, I think they are. I mean, some of them, um, you know, will have within their brands are now starting to, you know, to offer special limited collections to kind of regain some of the ground that you know they may have lost in, in the luxury consumers' eyes, um, and just that when something's too readily accessible, it just it doesn't have the appeal specialness for the consumer. So it, you know, it's tempting to conclude that the reverse may be true. If you're is, can any brand uh, 
claim to be a luxury brand just by limiting access to it? Can, can they say, well, because we, we only make a limited number of them, we, therefore we're a luxury brand. Is, is that something that they try to do or there, there must be other components well, that make it? Right. You know, it's a, it's a combination of, of design, thoughtful, pertinent, um, it's quality, uh, you know, what separates it from material fabrication, um, of it. Um, so it's not just that it's not readily available that I think there's a number of components that all have to fall in place in boxes that need to be checked by the consumer that that product, um, evokes that luxury level. So from a, let, let's shift gears a little bit. And, uh, I've, you know, you're a retailer, not a manufacturer. Um, we, we know that the way that you present a gift to someone has a lot to do with the meaning they take from the gift. And I, I think in the same way, a retailer has a lot to do with adding meaning to the products that, that they offer. So from a retailer's perspective, what, what are some of the tricks of the trade in terms of, of how you basically present your inventory to customers to communicate to them that in fact they are looking at luxury products and presumably paying a higher price for those. How do you communicate that to your shoppers? We do, and what I think separates us a little bit from other retailers, because we have the interior design background, because we have the home and furnishings aspect, we take the apparel brands, blend them with interior, blend them with home, and evoke a lifestyle that goes beyond what a piece of outerwear might be, what a uh, bespoke jacket might be, what a pair of shoes might be. And each brand is surrounded, each apparel brand is surrounded by paralleling other lifestyle elements from, uh, it might be a sectional piece of art, accessory, rug, pillows, candles, um, that uh, really e evoke and parallel what that apparel brand is about also. So a consumer can kind of see the, the, the potential lifestyle and how it's not just about that one particular piece, whether it's a home piece or an apparel piece, and that it's the blending of all of those to um, have the consumer sort of enticed with what all those products together uh, say about the brand. So you, it sounds like you really practice what you preach when it comes to lifestyle marketing in that you're showing the brand in use or how it could be in use. I'm, I'm always struck by, by uh, most retailers that just tend to put things out in bland display cases and they, they don't really give you a sense of, of what that product could mean. So, uh, Kudos to you for for figuring that out. That's a that's a great innovation uh, that more retailers really need to adopt. I I think. How, how yeah. about the role of service? I mean, uh, presumably, if I'm buying a luxury product, I'm buying it. I'm not buying it from some sales associate in a department store who's making minimum wage. I'm hopefully I'm buying it from an expert who can tell me something about the heritage and so on. Is that is that important for you? It's, that's a huge part of our business, and, it, and it's something that we we set out to do, and then um, just it accelerated so quickly because of the the people we brought in who are representing and selling um, with us. Um, that relationship part with the consumer is huge, and in, in knowing what their world is is all about, what their expectations are. Um, it, um, it's just, it's such a, it's so non-transactional based. Um, we spend a lot of time sourcing um, additional products for a, a customer client who, it, it might not even be product we, we carry in the store, but our guys, know them, they know what they're trying to accomplish and will go out to reach out to other retailers, other department stores to find that one particular element to bring to it. Uh, um, our, our guys also just sort of, and I shouldn't say just guys, our um, sales staff all kind of naturally have gravitated to different brands within the store. 
and really dive deep into really understanding the ethos of each of those brands um, and really become, you know, a, a, a sort of a, a brand representative for it, even though it's not, um, there's not a program for that. It just kind of happens because of the passion everyone here has for products. Yeah, so it certainly helps to believe in what you're selling. Uh, one one more question for you. I'm I'm curious. Uh, I'm sure a lot of your customers are. It sounds like are very well established with you. They've been doing business with you for many years. When when younger people start to come in, are are you noticing any differences in terms of how they think about luxury and what what does a luxury mean to let's say a millennial? Are any, any differences there? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, that's a good point because one of the things we do in the store um, on sort of all product levels is we have a good, better, best luxury um, kind of stepping stone through it. Um, and, you know, what, what luxury is for you at one age or one income level is different as you um, grow, whether it's by what you can afford or what your interest is, or I think a lot of it for what we see is, what they understand, what they're getting, what they're buying. And it's fun to watch uh, a younger customer sort of evolve, um, educate themselves, understand what the difference is on, on what they're buying, why they're buying it. Um, and, and they sort of self-educate and self-elevate themselves as um as they experience more and more of the, the product in the store. Yeah, so it's an evolutionary process. That, that's great. All right, well, that's all of our time. But, uh, Greg, I thank you so much for, for coming on. And uh, it sounds like you've got a great store there. Hope to visit it one of these days. Really appreciate yeah, it. Wherever in town, stop it. You'll enjoy it. And that's our show for today. I hope you've learned something about luxury and that you find luxury in, in your own way. I'm Dr. Michael Solomon, and you're listening to We Are What We Buy. Please get in touch with me. Email me at michael at michaelsolomon.com or check out my website, www.michaelsolomon.com. I'd love to hear from you. Have a luxurious day. Thank you for listening to We Are What We Buy. Please join your host, Dr. Michael Solomon, again next Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, have a winning week.